Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. We're gonna get into the word in just a moment, but I feel encouraged from the Lord to share this. I shared it in prayer this morning. Psalm 66, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you and all the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Come on, lift up a shout, lift up a song of praise, lift up and declare it tonight. be seated for just a moment you know us we'll have you stand for the reading of the word in just a second but I am encouraged and challenged and thankful and overjoyed and full of the joy of the Lord tonight because God is good oh I said God is good I believe there's some people in the house tonight that believe God is good amen (laughs) praise God well as you noticed minister Jan and I are wearing our King's Tucson shirts tonight. It is, it is official. You know it's official. Those of you that are longtime Alaskans, you'll know it's official. We sold our dip nets, so there's no turning back now. Uh, we are headed to Tucson along with a, a team of people that God has put together. Uh, some beautiful, amazing people that have said, we're partner with what God is going to do in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, uh, we're all, some, some are leaving before others, but we'll all be out of here uh, by, the, uh, by the, the middle of September. Uh, and also, not only is God doing something in Tucson, you'll hear a little bit more about it on her last Sunday, uh, but God has uh, directed another person in our church, Dawn, uh, is going to be moving to Kingman, Arizona, to be close to family. And we've already, got, we've already been talking about it and agreeing together and believing God's going to do something in Kingman, Arizona. You know, we're going we're gonna to take over. Alaska starts with an A. Arizona starts with an A. Alabama better look out. Uh, all the A states. Amen. But we are so thankful that God has called us and given us an opportunity. We've, Jan and I have, have been so privileged and honored to serve and be a part of Kings. Actually, we've been a part of Kings since 2007. Uh, but we have so, been so privileged and honored to serve, and we're so thankful to what God is doing and what he's called us to do. And uh, so uh, would you pray for us, uh, pray for our team, uh, pray for all that God is doing, and uh, uh, be careful as you pray, because God may say, okay, you're supposed to go to this other state, or you're supposed to go to, uh, you know, he, he's going to tell you to go across the street to your neighbor. I know that. Oh, uh, there should have been some amens there, Okay. God is out for, for, for people. God's heart is for people. And he wants to use us, his people, to reach people. God could do it any way he wanted to. He could have angels fly around the planet at a certain time every day so that people would come out and hear what the angels had to say and listen and see angelic beings and believe. He could, God's got enough money and power and influence. He could, he could create the biggest 
digital billboards, although we don't have billboards in Alaska, but you know what I'm saying. He could create the biggest digital advertising to proclaim the gospel so that people would know the truth that Jesus Christ came uh, to seek and to save that which was lost, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God could do it that way, but he chooses to use the likes of you and I. He chooses to say, if you'll say you're available, if you'll make yourself available, it's not about ability, it's about availability. God wants to use each and every one of us to reach the lost and to see his kingdom advanced. And just so please pray for us that are going to Tucson. Uh, we're believing God for, for open doors, for a building. We're believing, yeah. Look, my God is a big God and I can dream big dreams. I've already got a number that I feel like the Lord has given Jan and I. Uh, I'm not going to share what it is, but I've already yet. But I've got a number in my heart that I've taken before the Lord uh, of how many people we're going to have uh, as part of the church in Kings Tucson, soul saved, people set free. So pray for us, cover us in prayer as we continue to move forward. I got to share one other testimony before I get in the word. Uh, one of the things that, that Pastor Daniel has been having uh, all of us pray about is the sale of our house. Uh, and it was prophesied that we would have a buyer for our house by the last day of July, which happened to be a Sunday, July 31st. And we happened to have a showing at 7 p.m. that Sunday night while service was going on. And out of that showing came an offer. And out of that offer, a week ago tonight in service, we got a text from our realtor, you're now under contract. So hallelujah. God honors his word. Uh, so thank you all for praying uh, for us and for that. That was, uh, that was an obstacle that we knew the Lord was going to take care of. But it's like, come on, Lord, you can, you can do it any time. But he did it in his right timing. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm, I'm so privileged to share the word tonight, to minister the word and the message that the Lord get, has given me for tonight and for us. Uh, would you stand one more time, if you would, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms, to Psalm 27. So it's the book of Psalms because there's many and the Psalm number 27. We're going to look at several verses tonight in the message, but for the main text tonight, reading from the New King James Version is Psalm 27 verses 13 and 14. And this is David uh, writing this. Psalm 27 verses 13 and 14. Everybody there? All right. David says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your spirit tonight. Thank you, Lord, tonight for your, what you're going to do and what you're going to accomplish. Thank you for your word that it goes forth and accomplishes everything you send it to do. We give you praise tonight, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You can be seated. I tried to think about a title for my message tonight. The first one I thought of was encouragement from David. I thought, well, that's okay. Then I thought, well, how about hope in the midst of hopelessness? But I came and settled on what I feel like the Lord wanted me to share with you tonight, and that is we have a hope. We have a hope tonight, church. We have a hope tonight. I came here tonight with a message. 
Uh, Pastor Daniel asked me to, to, to preach tonight and I, I went to the Lord in prayer and I spent the day in prayer and I came here tonight with a message. I'm here to do my best to deliver a word, a strong word from God our Father for each and every one of you tonight and those that will listen to this later. I believe this word, his word actually, has the power to set somebody free tonight. Amen? Everywhere you look in the world today, there are people who are walking around bound. Yes, there's, there are those that are bound by sin, trapped by the enemy in chains of bondage and addiction. Tonight, I'm here to declare we have a hope and those chains can be broken tonight. I believe they are being broken right now in the name of Jesus. There are those who are bound by pain, sickness and disease. And tonight is your night to be set free from that in the name of Jesus. But there are also those who are bound, both believers and unbelievers, by what I believe is a spirit of hopelessness. There are those who are saved, and there are those who are lost. There are unsaved, lost people who have no hope for their lives today, and that is why they are turning and looking for in, in every place that they can to try to find some type of meaning, some type of hope. But you know what? I also have come to understand that there are believers in Jesus who are under attack in this area of hope. And I'm here tonight to tell all those who, are list, who will listen, we have a hope, church. We have a hope. We have a hope tonight. The world is looking for hope, as I said. The world is looking for hope, especially you know, because of events that take place. Now, the, 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 the pandemic and COVID-19 and all of that, very real and very tragic, and people, people lost loved ones. Our family was touched by that. And you've heard it said, and I've heard it said, I can't wait till things return to normal. It reminds me of a t-shirt slogan that I saw. If you'll put that slide up uh, there. Normal isn't coming back but Jesus is. Amen? Because our hope is in Jesus. This world will never be the same because of everything that's gone on and taken place. But one thing is true, one thing you and I can put our hope, our faith, our trust, our belief, and we can give our lives to, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. We have a hope. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is found in Jesus. Our hope is the person of Jesus. The hope, the one that will endure, the hope that will endure, the hope that will last, the hope that surpasses all of the normal mindsets, the hope that endures and causes us to walk with our heads held high and our hearts full of faith is found only in one place and that's in Jesus, amen? Paul tells us in Romans 15, 13, he says, may the God of hope, the God of what? The God of hope. May he fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Wait a second, we get to do what? We get to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the God we serve, church. That's the God that I'm excited to preach to you about tonight. We have a hope and it's in God, the God of hope, who wants us to overflow in hope. So that means we ought to walk around being people full of hope. We ought to walk around being people full of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, who teaches us to trust in God. It's hard to have hope when you don't trust the person or the thing that you might be looking to have hope in. That's why people are so lost. They're putting hope in things that they don't really trust, but they're desperate for it. But Paul says the God of hope will fill us with all hope to overflowing as we learn to trust in him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. As the children of the God of hope, we should have hope. Amen. 
So let's stop right here for a second and just ask a question of ourselves. Are we overflowing with hope? What is your hope level? What is my hope level tonight? I have discovered more times than not, instead of overflowing with hope, we end up dealing with and wrestling with overflowing with hopelessness. David in this Psalms was close to finding himself in that condition, being full of hopelessness. And on multiple occasions and in summary of this Psalms, he said in verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. That means he was on the brink of giving up. He was on the brink of losing heart. He was on the brink of moving into hopelessness, of not having any hope. He said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Believed what? That I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. I'm here tonight, remember standing in this pulpit to declare the word of the Lord tonight. We have a hope. Do you have to say it so many times? I'm going to say it as many times as it takes until people walk out of this place with their head held high, their shoulders back, uh, confident in who their God that they serve, confident in the relationship they have with him, and confident that if everybody else around is swimming in hopelessness, they are not because they have a hope, and that hope is found in Jesus. We have a hope, church. And David serves as an ex excellent example of how to see that hope activated in our lives. Consider the life of David for just a moment. Let me give you some words. Crowded, pressed, overwhelmed, panicked, pressured, distracted, pursued, sleepless, scattered, scared, shattered. Now some of you might be like, that sounds like you're describing Walmart on Black Friday. But in truth, what I'm describing is the condition of David's life, even as he transitioned through different parts of his life. He certainly must have felt this way early on in his life when he was overlooked by his family. If you know the story of David's life, uh, Samuel the prophet was told by God to go anoint the next king and it's coming from the house of Jesse. And Jesse had all kinds of sons and Jesse called all of his sons in except David. And he left David, the youngest, sitting out there tending the sheep. Samuel was sure that it was the oldest, then the next, then the next. And when he went through all of them and God said, no, that's not the one. Samuel looked at Jesse and said, there's got to be more because none, none of these guys are it. He says, well, I do have one more. He said, send for him. We're not going to eat until he gets here. So they had a little bit of inspiration besides the Lord to go get him because they were hungry. They prepared a feast for the prophet to show up. So David comes in and I'm sure he must have felt left out and you know, all of those things. And yet he was anointed by Samuel to be the king. He was anointed to be the king, but he was misunderstood by his brothers. He was mistrusted by the current king. He was running for his life through no fault of his own. He was living in caves, hunted like an animal. He was a national hero who was now a fugitive and on the most wanted list. Certainly he would be understanding what it means to not have a lot of hope about the situation. Then he would become king and you would think that everything would be right in the world for him, that everything would, would go right again, but it, unfortunately the same thing replays again. Even though he's now surrounded by the armies at, that are at his command, he lives in the palace, he has servants. He's also dealing with dysfunction in his command and in his family, betrayal by close allies, the death of a son, disloyalty of another son. 
In both cases, whether as the shepherd boy or a ruling king, he faced those feelings that I listed just a moment ago. I point that out tonight because although most Bible scholars would say that the Psalm 27 was written in the early years of David's life when he was on the run from Saul, for me tonight and I believe for you as well, what is more important tonight is that we see what he says rather than when he said it, okay? It is important to understand the historical timing of, of events and things that happen, but many times we focus on that and we miss the what that is being said. And that's what I really want you to catch tonight, the what is being said. Whether, whether David found himself lacking something or in luxury, whether he found himself as an accused convict or a conquering king, whether he found himself as the singer of the Psalms or the soldier that took down Goliath, whether as a fugitive or a father, he comes to the same decision in the 27th Psalm. And that decision is another passage that I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to see that would cause him to be able to say that he wouldn't lose hope. And that's Psalm 27, verse 4. I told you we'd look at lots of several passages in this Psalm. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Think about that phrase, one thing, one thing. If David made that statement while he was running from Saul, then think of all the things he could have requested. Think of all the things that could have been his one thing, justice, retribution, revenge, safety, help, peace. Now, if it was while he was the king and he came to this conclusion of one thing, then think of what he could have asked for then. He could have asked for restoration of his family, healing for his son, wisdom or peace. He could have asked for so many different things. But think about what he did request. In all of his pain, all of his panic, all of his confusion, distraction and pressure, David narrows down his request to one thing. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Why did David come to this one conclusion no matter what the, the win that he came to it? Is because David knew that if I can have the one thing being in his presence, then I don't have to worry about justice. I don't have to worry about revenge. I don't have to worry about retribution. I don't have to worry about whether people recognize me or don't recognize me. I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm going to live in peace or not. If I can have the one thing, and that's to be in his presence, to dwell in the presence of the Lord, to behold the beauty of who he is. And when it says to inquire, it means to sit at his feet and learn about him. If David said, if I can have that, then all the rest will get taken care of. And I want to tell you tonight, church, we have a hope, and that hope is found in the Lord and found in his presence. Maybe you're on the brink of hopelessness. Maybe there's a report that's come out uh, from the doctor. Maybe there's creditors that have been calling. Maybe there's things happening in your family. Maybe your boss has given you a hard time. Maybe you lost your job and all you were doing was doing it faithful. On and on and on. It doesn't matter what the circumstances might be. Not that they don't matter. My point is it doesn't matter which one you want to pick if you and I can have the one thing that David requested That's to dwell in the house of the Lord forever to behold the beauty of who he is to learn more about him Then you and I will have a hope that will cause us to be able to endure no matter what happens No matter what comes our way. We have a hope church Hallelujah
I'm a little fired up tonight. Whew. <laughs> this Psalm of David, Psalm 27, serves to give us encouragement and hope. The, the text that I read, verses 13 and 14, tell us how David would have lost hope, but he didn't because of the presence of God. This passage gives us a couple of things, uh, a couple of truths that I want us to hear and embrace tonight. I don't have notes for you, but if you're taking notes, this would be point number one. Hopelessness stems from a heart condition. Hopelessness is born out of a heart condition. When we lose heart, we lose hope. Remember, David said, I would have lost heart had I not believed. When we lose heart, we lose hope. That is why we must intentionally guard our hearts. The Bible tells us, guard your heart because out of it flows the very issues of life. David said in another, in another passage in Psalms uh, that, that I have set my heart to serve the Lord. When we lose heart, we're in danger of losing hope. The enemy will try to attack our heart and cause us to give up hope. Too many believers have lost heart. We no longer show up for the fight because we don't have the heart for it. We no longer march to the battle lines. We sit on the couch in sorrow. We lose heart because of the lack of change. Is it ever gonna change? Is it ever gonna be different? We lose heart because of the lack of resolution. We lose heart because of the lack of improvement. This is my lot. I guess this is all I'll ever have. I guess this is all I'll ever experience. We lose heart because of a, a lack of difference. Doesn't really matter anyway. We lose heart because of a lack of healing. We lose heart because of a lack of explanation. If we aren't careful, church, our heart becomes so full of disappointment, despair, and discouragement that we can actually lose heart. And if we do, we lose our hope. And that's a dangerous thing to have happen. We cannot afford to lose our hope. Paul even finds it even further. He says that if in this life only is our hope, then we are the most pitiful people in the world. Because Paul knew our hope is not in this life. Our hope is in what God has promised. When, God, when, when Paul tells us uh, that guy is not seen, ear is not heard, nor is it entered into the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, he was talking about eternity. He was also talking about here, but he was ultimately talking about eternity. We can't imagine what eternity will be like. We can't imagine the things that God has for us. And a lot of times the reason we can't imagine what eternity is going to be like is because we're dealing with always being on the brink of hopelessness, not thinking that, uh, that this is going to be any better. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. God wants to give us a much more life. God doesn't intend for us to, to just survive. God intends for you and I to thrive. That's why it says in Deuteronomy, we are the head and not the tail. We are the top and not the bottom. That's why the Bible declares that we are to be the lender and not the borrower, that we are to choose life, choose the blessings, avoid death, avoid the cursing, that God has something greater in store for you and I than we can imagine. Our best day ever can't compare to what God is longing to do in your life and my life right now. And we have to keep our hope in trust in him. We can't lose heart. Now the enemy knows. I'm not giving him credit, but we don't want to 
We don't want to discount what he does. He knows how to attack you and I. He knows what things will cause us to begin to maybe lose heart and to give up hoping. That's why we need the word of God and we need the spirit of the living God to come alive in us. That's why Paul said that we become people. The God of hope will cause us to overflow in hope as we, are, as we learn to trust in him by the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I need the Holy Spirit working in our lives. I, I, I can't... Please, I'm not being critical, I just don't understand. There are people that don't give, there are believers that walk around with no hope in their lives of anything better than their present circumstance and their present circumstance doesn't look so great because they don't go back to the Word of God. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to teach them. They don't do what David talked about, that one thing. They're looking around for all kinds of things. I learned a long time ago, and I used to tell teenagers when Jan and I were youth pastors uh, for years and years, when you take Jesus in to be your Lord and Savior, he becomes Lord of all. You don't add Jesus to a bunch of other stuff that you were doing. You don't add Jesus to your life. He becomes your life. Everything else that you were doing, all your plans, all your things, because the Bible says we make our plans, but the Lord orders our steps. There's nothing wrong with going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I want to do this. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Too many times we think, well, I don't know if my desires, if that desires, I keep coming over here, I'm going to go over here. Um, uh, too many times we think, well, I don't know, maybe that's my own desire. I don't know that God would want that for me. Can I tell you, if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, how do you delight yourself in the Lord? Following what David said, that one thing that I ask, that one thing that I seek, that I may dwell in your house forever, that I may see you and your beauty, I may learn of you. If, if we're doing that and it feels like, God, I would like to go do this can I tell you that if you're delighting in the Lord his desires become your desires and your desires begin to melt into his will for your life because he has a plan he has a purpose he has a desire he has a uh, he has a <laughs> hallelujah God has a dream for your life I didn't know God dreamed he dreamed you and I up Jeremiah chapter 1 before you were ever formed in your mother's womb I knew you. That means before we were ever formed, doesn't matter the circumstances, how you got here, doesn't matter the conditions under which you were conceived, it matters not. And the fact that you are living, alive, breathing tonight means that before you got into that condition, you were in the heart and mind of God and he was dreaming big things for you. Because David goes on to tell us in the book of Psalm, chapter uh, 130, Psalm 139, that in his books are all the days of our life but that are already written and recorded before we've even lived one of them. That means that God has a plan. God has a purpose. He isn't making it up on the fly. He has something that he created you specifically to do. And that's to hope in him, to trust in him, to dwell in his presence and watch what he does in your life and in my life. We cannot lose heart because if we lose heart, we begin to lose our hope. And if we begin to lose our hope, then we're in trouble. So we asked a question earlier, we'll ask it again. What's overflowing out of your life? What's overflowing out of my life? Well, continue on. Point number two. Point number one is hopelessness comes from a heart condition. Point number two, belief produces hope. Belief produces hope. Now, if you say that in the negative or the opposite, hopelessness comes from a lack of belief. If belief produces hope, hopelessness has to come from not believing. Amen? 
David tells us that hopelessness was, was he, he avoided hopelessness by his belief that God was able to fulfill his word while he was still alive. That's what, he, that's what it means when he says, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would have seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. Obviously, David was in the land of the living. He wasn't talking about the fact that I'm going to go, if I go out of places where people are living and I go to where people are dead. He was talking about in my life, in the time that I'm alive, I believe that I will see the goodness of God. And that belief that I will see the goodness of God causes, caused David to have hope. And then when David had hope, then he knew he could trust. And when he knew he could trust, then he knew God would do and God would accomplish. And the same thing's true for you and I. If we can learn to have hope in God and trust in him, then we know that he is good and he's good all the time. And if he's good all the time, then that means if something comes along our way that we don't understand, we don't have to trust what we see. We trust in what we don't see. And that's him and his character. Amen. David says he finds strength to hold on because he believes that he would see God live up to his word. He believes that God is good. Hopelessness roots itself in a lack of belief. As long as we continue to believe God, church, and take him at his word, we will remain filled with hope. It is impossible. It is impossible to believe God and believe his word and not be a person of hope. We lose hope when we lose belief. But church, we have a hope. Oh, we have a hope, church. Proverbs 23, 17 says this, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. What was, what was Solomon saying there in, in Proverbs? What advice was he giving to his son and others that would read that? You and I, look, don't look at those around the sinners and it seems like everything's going right for them. It seems like they're getting away with everything. It seems like they're the most, that, that, that the ones that don't honor God, uh, that they're the ones that are the most successful. They're the ones that have all the money. They're the ones that have all the homes, have all the, all the goodies in life. The, Solomon was saying, don't be jealous of what they have, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, because surely there is a hereafter, meaning this isn't it. This isn't all there is. This is a warm up for there. Amen. This is a warm up for there. It isn't just a, oh, I just gotta, I just gotta get through today. It's a Lord, how close can I, oh, how much can I be in your presence today? And you know what? Because we're called by, in the New Testament, we are called uh, kings and priests of our God and the priests were the ones that carried the presence of God. They were the ones that were responsible when the presence was uh, in the ark, was known by the Ark of the Covenant that was representative of the manifest presence of God among his people in the Old Testament. It was the priests that put it on their shoulders and carried it around and carried the presence of God around. Well, fast forward to the New Testament. We are kings and priests of our God. That means you and I carry the presence of God. That means we we need to be in church and I'm so glad you're here tonight and I'm so glad you're watching online. We need to be in church. We need to be in life group. We need to be in transformations. We need to come to youth ministry if you're, if you're in that age. You need to come to young adults. You need to, you need to get involved. You need to get involved in every area of, because God's presence is there. When the presence of God that's in my life comes and matches up with the presence of God in my brother's lives right here, his presence is magnified. That's why David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name 
together. I used to think that meant sing louder. I used to think that meant shout louder. But when you think about what magnify means, magnify means to enlarge the appearance, to make what is small look really, really big. So when the presence of God that's in my life and the presence of God that's in your life, when we get together, man, God gets really big. He looks really big. And when we do that, then we can see his beauty and we can learn of him and we can walk in hope and we can walk around with people as people that have hope. That's why Peter said, be ready to give an account to those who ask for the what? The hope they see in you. Not only do we need to understand that we have a hope and be people of hope because of what it does for us. Oh, but what it does for the lost and the dying. They look at us and they see us go through all those, I mentioned all those, those words that could describe David's life, you know, shattered and, and, and sleepless and, and scared. And, and they look and see us go face things that should cause us to be scared. They look at things that happen to our, in our lives that cause us to, that we should just throw in the towel. And when we don't, they're like, I don't understand. How can you still believe? How can you still have joy? How, because our joy, our joy is not found in our circumstances. Our joy is found in the one thing in his presence. Whew. <laughs> yes, Holy Spirit. You know, if we looked at what we're going through right now and that's all we saw was just what we're going through right now, then it might be easy to lose heart and lose hope. Because some of you guys are going through stuff. Some of you are in the middle of it. Some of you just came out of it and some of you don't know it, but you're about to go in it. And the answer is the same. Whether you're in the middle of it, you just came out of it or you're about to enter into it, we have a hope. And that hope is, is, is produced that hope is produced by our belief in the word of God and what he said. If you and I can learn to believe even when what I see in the natural doesn't seem to line up with the promises of God, but if we can learn to look beyond that and look into the supernatural to what God has promised, then my belief will fight back hopelessness. My belief that God is good. My belief that his promises never fail. My belief that he's a very present help in time of trouble. Uh, and because I believe it, I begin to experience it because although it doesn't look like it, because I believe it, something rises up in me. That's the Spirit of God. Something will rise up in you. That's the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And when it rises up in you, you're able to say, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what the society says. It doesn't matter what popular culture says. It doesn't matter what the latest opinion poll says. It doesn't matter what Oh, I won't say their names. It doesn't matter what so-and-so says. It only matters what the word of God says. It only matters what God has declared. Because if God said it, it, it then it's going to come to pass. He is faithful to watch over his word to perform it. Hallelujah. Point three tonight. Not only point number one, hopelessness is because of a heart condition. And point number two, belief produces hope. But number three, God wants to strengthen your heart and my heart. God wants to strengthen your heart and my heart. But let me share something really interesting that this Psalm tells us. We believe that God wants to strengthen our heart because we believe if God is for us, who can be against us? I, I, I mean, <laughs> the, 
Verse 1 of chapter Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumble and fall. Sounds like a song, doesn't it, Brother Toby? Amen. So we know that God is for us and we know that God wants to strengthen our heart. But a lot of times when we really see how he begins to do it, we don't like the way he goes about it. Because the way God wants to go about strengthening your heart and my heart, according to what David says here, is for us to learn to wait. And that's not something we like to do. <laughs> Most of us want an instant answer. Most of us are praying for that suddenly, that suddenly encounter, and thank God when he gives them. Thank God when that suddenly shows up. Thank God when you're down to it, it's, it's one minute before midnight, and God comes through, because he's a right now, right on time God. He's never late. He very seldom ever comes early. He shows up at the right time. But he wants to strengthen our heart by teaching us to wait. David says that strength comes in waiting. Waiting stretches us. That's what he said in Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, Pastor Daniel talks all the time about going to the gym. I'm, I've been, Jan and I have been going to, to the gym more and more. We're members of, Pastor Daniel calls it the purple gym, because we, that's where we're members of. We go there, and we've been going more uh, because I'm, I've, been, I've been trying to lose weight. I've been trying to get rid of this. I'm transparent. This is a pain. Not like it doesn't physically hurt me. It's a pain that I'm dealing with this, okay? But if the only way, I, how am I going to get stronger physically? How am I going to take care of myself? Is I'm, I have to go, I lift weights, and I have to work out. So I have to lift weights. Well, how does my heart go stronger? Weight training. Not W-E-I-G-H-T training. W-A-I-T training. Weight training. Because the Bible tells us those that wait, not those that get nervous, not those that get in a hurry, not those that step in and try to take control or force a way into, but those that wait, not on their own, way, not on the bank, not on a person, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Church, we got to learn as we discover we have a hope and that God wants to give us a hope and that he is our hope, that we got to learn some weight training, that we wait on him. As we wait on him, he strengthens our heart. He builds up that hope in us. Paul reveals the power of waiting and the power of hope in Romans chapter 8. Verses 24 and 25, for we are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We wait for it. That thing that we don't see yet. That thing that we're desperately needing God to do. Weight, weight training, this type of weight training that I'm talking about, isn't just sitting around waiting for something to happen, bored to tears. That's not it. That's not what it means to wait on the Lord. Well, I'll just wait. Not going to do anything. Not really enjoying this, but it says to wait. Minister Barry said to wait, so I'm going to wait. That's not what I'm talking about. As we wait on the Lord, we remind ourselves of all that he has done. We encourage ourselves in his goodness and we believe in what God has said. Brother Toby, if you'd come back to the keyboard, please. So I want to remind you tonight before we close.
that first Chronicles 16, 34 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 13 verses five and six says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Psalm 23 verse six says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is waiting on the Lord, reminding yourself of all that he's done, encouraging yourself in the word and in his goodness, believing in what God has declared. And as you do that, your strength begins to rise. Something in you begins to rise, but I'm not done. Psalm 30 verse five, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, four, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Psalm 73, one, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. Psalm 100 verse five, can you tell I've been spending some time in the Psalms? Psalm 100 verse five, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 106 verse one, it was so good, David repeated it in Psalm 107 verse one. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Psalm 118 verse six, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. And just so you know, it's not only found in Psalms, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Who's gonna condemn it? You and I. How are we gonna condemn it? Cause we have a hope, cause we're in the, doing the one thing, spending time in his presence, understanding the truth of his word, beholding the beauty of who he is. And he goes on, Isaiah goes on to say, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Isaiah didn't say it wouldn't be formed against you. He said it won't prosper. They can say what they want. They can do what they want. They can call us all kind of things. They can run us down. They can criticize us. They can try to run us out of town. But I'm here to tell you, if God is for us, who can be against us? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The redeemed of the Lord are called to say so. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What am I saying tonight, church? I'm saying we have a hope. It's found in him. So you and I need to find our one thing. We need to, we need to narrow down anything that we might ask of God and be like David and say, Lord, one thing I ask and one thing I will seek, and that's that I will dwell in your presence forever. I'm not going to wait till I get to heaven to dwell in your presence. Can you imagine? I am about to close by the way. Can you imagine getting to heaven and the, that be the first time that you truly experienced what his presence was like? When he has so much more that he wants to do in the here and now in your life and in my life? 
He wants you and I to experience his presence in greater levels than we've ever experienced. It's, it's uh, August 10th in the year 2022. I remember in the 80s watching science fiction movies and it would scroll across the scene, uh, across the screen in the year 2020, this stuff would happen. They didn't have a clue. They were guessing. It made for a good uh, science fiction movie or a good novel. God is the one that knew what would be taking place on August 10th, 2022 in Wasilla, Alaska at Kings, Alaska on this night. And that's that you would be encouraged tonight by some crazy preacher who likes to, who likes to get a little excited about the things of God, that you have a hope, that you are destined to, for something greater than just surviving, that God is calling you to rise up in your God-given right and say, I am the redeemed of the Lord and I will walk in boldness. I will put on the whole armor of God. I'll take up the helmet of salvation. I'll put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'll gird my loins with the belt of truth. I'll shod my feet with the gospel preparation of the gospel of peace. And I will take up the shield of faith that I may quench every fiery dart for the enemy that tries to come against me and cause me to lose my hope and I will take up the sword of the Spirit and I will march on to victory because that's what God has called us to, church. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet all across this place. Oh, church, it's time to believe again in the Word of God. It's time to believe more in the Word of God. It's time to believe in spite of what you and I see. It's time to believe though we're waiting in the middle of weight training. Don't quit believing. It's time to believe through the hard season. Let the weight strengthen your heart. Amen? Ooh. I think I'm done, but we got one more thing to do. Now we're gonna open up the altars here in just a minute because if you've been dealing with hopelessness, if you feel like that it's just, you know, it's this thing that's just kind of hovering around you, about ready to pounce on you, about ready to cause you to give in, to throw in the towel, to give up. Don't do it. Thank you, Pastor Vince. Don't do it. But we want to open the altars here in a minute and give you an opportunity to come and just spend some time with the Lord and wait on Him. Do some weight training tonight. Uh, recount the goodness of God. Confess sins if you need to. Repent. Oh, listen, repentance is amazing. I thought, thank you, thank you, my beautiful bride. Let me try that again. Repentance is amazing. Amen. Because repentance frees us from being bound to that sin, that mistake, that habit, that whatever it is, those weights the Bible talks about. So we want to give you an opportunity. But before we do that, because we never close the service, and again, thank you so much for being here tonight. I, I, I trust that the Holy Spirit spoke to you. But if you're here tonight and you need to accept Jesus as your Savior or you're listening online or you're watching this podcast at a later time and you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never asked him to be, you've come to church. You grew up in church, but you never bowed your knee and surrendered your will. And you never said, Lord, I surrender and I give myself to you. I'm sorry for my sins. Come and be my Lord and Savior. If that's you tonight, we want to correct that. Or if you're here tonight and you did that, but you've been living without hope because you've been allowing sin and things to come in. and cause, see, see, we can't have a divided heart. We can't have a divided heart. Our heart has to be sold out to Him. Our heart has to be surrendered to Him. We have to make Him Lord of all of our life. 
So if you're here tonight and you would say, I just need to repent and rededicate, recommit my life to the Lord, or as Pastor Daniel always says, and we like to include it, you just wanna be assured of your salvation tonight. Not to embarrass anybody, but you're among family. And if, and I know this is not true, but if nobody else in this place loves you, I do. I love you and I'm for you and so is God. And if you're here in this place tonight and you fall in, in any one of those three categories, you wanna dedicate, you wanna commit your life to the Lord for the first time, you wanna recommit your life to the Lord or you just wanna be assured of your salvation, would you raise your hand with every head up and every eye open? Not to shame anybody, but I'm telling you, repentance, hallelujah, thank you. Hands are going up. Repentance is freedom. Repentance sets you free. Repentance causes you to step into the life that God created for you to live. Hallelujah. Well, here's what we're gonna do before we open the altars. We'll have an official dismissal prayer, but we're gonna pray a prayer together. <coughs> we used to call it the sinner's prayer. There's nothing wrong with calling it the sinner's prayer, but we've kind of changed the terminology. We're now calling it the salvation prayer, okay? Because you're moving from being a sinner or somebody who's got sin in your life, thank you, to stepping into salvation. So everybody, if you would repeat these words after me, but believe them in your heart if you raised your hand or even if you didn't raise your hand and you know that you need to get things right. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It also tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Paul goes on to tell us in the book of Romans, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we will be saved because it is through confession and belief that we are saved and find salvation. So we wanna give everybody an opportunity to do that tonight in any one of those three categories. You repeat this prayer after me, but mean it from your heart and heaven is taking notice tonight and you will leave here knowing you have a hope. Father God, thank you for giving me a hope in the form of your son, Jesus. Jesus, you came because you love me to die for me, to give your life for my life to die so I could live. So Jesus, I ask you tonight, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me, wash me, make me brand new. And I commit tonight to live for you from this day forward. Thank you for saving me. I am yours and you are mine forever and ever. Amen. Come on, rejoice in the Lord tonight. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.